0: OCRFM wish to advise the following program may contain information and subjects that could be deemed controversial in nature. The aim of the show is to provide an opportunity for listeners to discuss issues in a non-confrontational, fact-based manner. Should you wish to join the conversation, please feel free to phone the station on 321 991. You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on FM with myself, Sarah. This segment aims to help provide a voice for the LGBTIQ plus community, or as I like to call it, the umbrella. Our aim is to ensure the community is supported and to reinforce that you should feel accepted as you are in the town you grew up in. While my views are not representative of the whole community, extensive research has been done to aim to be inclusive to everybody and spread awareness and progress people's viewpoints. News in our community. So this week I was a part of something really exciting. So last Tuesday, the uh, Barwon area, we had our regional road show. So this was. Geelong area and also Colac and surrounds it was really fantastic so it was actually run with the Commissioner for Sexuality and Gender Ro Allen and her team including Daniel Whithouse who's actually come down to Colac quite a few times to help our community which is fantastic I'm really excited to see what this will bring, what it'll mean for our local LGBTIQ plus community. I think it's really fantastic some of the ideas that were floated about to try and make sure that our community is supported, to try and bring in some visibility. And it's really fantastic as well that it really sounds like everyone's excited to try and especially for next year, so with the Arcana Festival to try and bring in a big float or something. Or So next year, Arcana Festival, the theme is Heroes and Villains. So if you can think of any ideas that you'd like for our community to band together and go with let us know that would be fantastic it's also fantastic with the from the radio aspect the people that I met and be really cool to see what's um what episodes are going to be run in the future from those within the community in the area so we've got Nick on the show have you been to a roadshow event before?
1: I have not. I haven't heard much of the roadshow events but uh, it look, they look really interesting and they look quite exciting so I'd be very interested to go to, go to future ones. Yeah. And also I love floats so, <laughs> and superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> May I have your attention please? May I have your attention please?
0: You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on RSR FM with myself Sarah. This week we have our guest presenter Nick, who is an AOD team leader and he's actually from Thorn Harbour Health. So he's here to help present the topic of substance abuse in particular in regards to so drugs and alcohol. So thank you for coming on board.
1: No, thank you. Very happy to be here.
0: Can you tell us what an AOD team leader is? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So, AOD meaning alcohol and other drugs. Um, So, professionally, that's how we kind of refer to substance use and substance treatment, as Mm -hmm. AOD or AOD issues. So, I work for an organisation called Thorn Harbour Health. We're located in Melbourne, and we also have Thorn Harbour Health Country, I believe, out in Bendigo. Uh, Effectively, I work on the alcohol and other drug team, and we work specifically with members of the LGBTIQ plus community or people diagnosed with a BBV, such as HIV. Or hepatitis C. We're of course formerly the Victorian AIDS Council. Mm-hmm. but We're doing so, so much more than just um, supporting with and working with people who are HIV positive. Uh, so effectively we run a counselling service. So I'm the team leader. We've got um, a whole bunch of counsellors on board. We run therapeutics, therapeutic groups and programs. And I also do um, do some drug and alcohol counselling myself.
0: Fantastic. How long have you been in that role for?
1: Um, Although I've been working in the drug and alcohol sector for many, many years, I've only been in the role for about four months. So mm-hmm. this is my first role working specifically with members of the LGBTIQ plus population, and it's really interesting and really exciting. And I'm very, very happy to be a part of um, a part of the team supporting the community.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we keep using this word substance abuse. Um, would you be able, because you're the one that's qualified in this area, would you be able to define that? for me
1: absolutely and it's such a broad topic because there are so many substances out there mm-hmm. and problematic substance use uh, or first non problematic substance use can be so varied and i think in many ways needs to be self identified so of course we know that alcohol is a huge problem in this country and mm-hmm. a lot of people use alcohol and not identified as being specifically drug use or problematic, mm-hmm. where some people might, uh, similar to many other drugs, you might have people who recreationally use methamphetamine or cannabis or any drugs that are defined as illicit and might not identify them as being problematic. Mm-hmm. Although some people might use them problemat- problematically. So I think a lot of it comes down to you know substance uses could be so varied in terms of pharmaceutical medication as well, uh, mm-hmm. right through to alcohol and drugs. But depending on uh, problematic substance use, I think it's uh, it needs to be identified on an ind- individual level.
0: Yes. Yeah. So why do you think that it is so high in our community?
1: And that's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we know people who identify as being queer have much higher rates of problematic substance use than the broader population. Mm-hmm. We know specifically for men who identify as being gay, bisexual, or pansexual, uh, methamphetamine use is uh, a significant problem. Mm-hmm. Similarly, to um, if we look uh, again, gender-based uh, women or people who identify as being women who uh, identify as being queer, say so lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, we know that there's a terrible problem with alcohol misuse in the community. I think we need to take a trauma-informed lens. It's we're past the point by where we say someone's got a, a problematic, um, someone's got a, a addictive personality, um, we need to look at why. And I think there are so many reasons. It could be induction to the scene. It could be a gay man jumping on an app and seeing PNP or chemsex or methamphetamine on an app and perhaps knowing that is only one of the ways to engage right through to, um, I mean, if we look at the combinations between PTSD, mental health diagnosis, stress, trauma and substance use, we know that there is a significant correlation could it be that people who identify as being queer have high rates of uh, experiencing trauma? Could it be minority stress? Could it be internalised queerphobia? Could it be again ongoing trauma or stress from coming out or identity shame?
0: Hmm. So yeah, I found it really interesting when researching these sort of topics. It sort of made me look a lot of at a lot of things and sort of analyse them and go, wow, I. I didn't realise that. Like, for instance, on dating apps, it's really quite common for it to say, like for women to say that they're 420 friendly. I actually had to Google (laughs) that. I didn't know what that was. So that's another word we use for cannabis. Um, And I didn't realise. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, wow, it is very prevalent. Although the people that I associate with uh, like, don't recreationally do it, it is quite common within the community.
1: Absolutely, and I think um, it's so important to look at perhaps induction to the scene or the dating apps and mm. think, where do people go on dates? Mm. You know, you go out to the bar, right? mm. So, it might be very hard for somebody who is in recovery or trying to, trying to see substance use or address substance use and they still want to be connected, but... Perhaps they go to the gay bar or the lesbian bar or the queer bar and that's where their friends go. That's where the connection to the community is. Mm. Or that's where you go to, to date someone or meet someone. So it can be uh, quite problematic as well for people who are trying to address use but still want to have that community connection.
0: Yeah, definitely. So in regards to – sorry, we've talked about drugs. So in regards to alcohol, what sort of programs do you have out there?
1: Well, we've got a couple of programs running at Thorn Harbour Health and um, I'm going to give you the sales pitch, but I'd like to start <laughs> off by saying that all our services are free. Yeah. So 100% free. You don't need a GP referral. You don't need any kind of medical uh, medical referral. It's a self-referral and there's no heavy-handed donation. We can't accept donations, so it is 100% free. Mm-hmm. We can provide individual counselling. Of course... Um, Individual drug and alcohol counselling runs out of St Gilda Road, runs out of our building in Melbourne. So there is certainly scope to uh, look at other options like Skype if you want an LGBTI-specific AOD counsellor and Mm -hmm. you're from uh, regional areas or you Mm -hmm. can't get into Melbourne. So again, free Skype service with a qualified drug and alcohol counsellor. We do have therapeutic groups. So we've got our group Drink Limits, which is about to um, start again. That's Mm -hmm. a six-week therapeutic group for queer women, Mm -hmm. uh, solely for queer women to come in, share strategies. Um, again, it's facilitated by a wonderful group facilitator who's been been doing it for many years. Mm-hmm. And it's solely to address um, problematic alcohol use um, in, the queer, in the queer community for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, again, all based on self-identified goals. So it's not an AA group. It's not an NA group. It's not come in and you have to stop drinking. It's come in with a goal. Your goal might be to reduce consumption. You might Your goal might be to drink more safely. Your goal might be to stop or to maintain abstinence, but it's about you, where you're at, and what your goal is, so we're certainly not forcing that on anyone.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So it's all about individuals. I think that that's really great because sometimes people go in there and look at someone else and go, I wish I was that dedicated to quitting or I wish I was as... enthusiastic as that person and that can be a really it can be hard strain because you shouldn't be comparing your goals to someone else you should be looking at how far you've come because sometimes people forget to look back like I know people say you shouldn't look back but sometimes it's good to look back and be like well look how far I've come look at how much I've accomplished look at where I'm going I am on the right path but sometimes like obviously we have um I guess we trip over a bit along our way. I'm trying to think of the <laughs> word to say, but, like, we trip along the way and we have those little hurdles, but the end goal will eventually get there.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's so important with having a self-identified goal and not having the expectation that you have to come in and you have to be abstinent and how you're going to feel if you walk into that group and say, hey, I did drink. Mm -hmm. And is there going to be judgment or stigma or a sense that, you know, you you failed in some way? Mm. Wherein the groups we run and the groups we promote because they're self-identified goals, they're about a learning experience. So it's not, hey, you failed. It's, okay, your goal was harder than you thought. What have you learned? Where do we move forward from here? Mm. So trying to eliminate that sense of, you know, this is what you need to aim for. And if you don't reach it, you've failed, Uh, Mm. which we do see uh, in some aspects of drug and alcohol treatment.
0: Yeah, I think it's really great as well that you mentioned the opportunity for Skype, because I know some people out there that do have issues with drug and alcohol. They also have issues with anxiety and for some people it's really hard to actually go into a place to be able to actually say I have an issue and to have that I guess uh, um, that barrier like being able to just do it on your computer wh- rather than actually see someone in person that's a huge thing like these things are coming about with web chats and all that although you're disengaged I guess in a way from a person it's kind of giving you the right steps. It's getting you further and closer to being able to actually help yourself.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's so important to recognise because we discuss barriers to service and Mm. how we can break barriers to service, and Thorn Harbour is a statewide service. Mm. And usually when we're discussing barriers, we're discussing location and times and flexibility, but it's so important to recognise the um, psychosocial barriers and the psychological barriers and people going, you know what? Leaving the house is too hard today, or mm. seeing a worker that you know is really can be really quite challenging or really quite scary. If I've never had any kind of drug and alcohol engagement, and you know, what's it going to be like? Am I going to be yelled at or judged or shamed? So it can be a really great introdu- introduction by way of um Skype again for people in regional areas as well to um so they don't have to schlep into Melbourne or take days off work. It can just be a great option and a great, uh, great way to start engaging and talking about substance use and talking about where you'd like to go and what you'd like to do with it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So, as well as Skype, do you have the opportunity to call up?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, so, again, in order to be um, to be allocated to counsellor, we we would have to do an assessment, and then mm-hmm. uh, we'd probably try and book you into regular Skype meetings. So, that mm-hmm. might be a a weekly uh, weekly appointment or a fortnightly appointment via Skype. Uh, so we do have to keep that structure on board. Uh, so, again, uh, phone sessions are certainly something that we're more than welcome to discussing with people and we will certainly organise counselling and counselling sessions on an individual level, mm-hmm. depending on someone's needs, someone's priority, what they'd like to do and what's what's easiest for them and what's going to work work best in terms of service engagement.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, also, so you definitely don't need a referral. You can just...
1: Give us a bell and uh, we'll talk you through the intake process and the assessment process. So you don't need a medical referral, you don't need a doctor's referral, and again, 100% free.
0: Oh, fantastic. So yeah, like I know that one barrier in regards to mental health, if you want to go on the, uh, the mental health plan and actually get the free counselling, you've got to go through these hurdles like blood tests and stuff, and you've got to... Gets um, do this plan and everything and these questionnaires and it's a, especially for people that have these issues. If you've got anxiety, it's quite hard to actually go through those initial steps to get to get where you need to be.
1: They certainly don't make it easy with the uh, the mental health care plan. And yeah. then, you know, sometimes depending on where you're from, you have to wait and wait and wait and wait till you can actually see a qualified psych because of uh, the wait list. So it Mm. makes it pretty challenging in terms of the changes between when you do the referral and when you actually see someone and is there going to be a huge gap there or, Mm. you know, what services you can use in the interim. So, again, we're really trying to work to to reduce those barriers and to to see people as soon as possible and offer as much support as we can, especially to members of our community when we know there is such a a high prevalence of uh, AOD use.
0: Mm. I know one of the other issues with the counselling is that it's not. It's not very accessible in the sense that it's always business hours. What are your business hours like, like on other Health?
1: Absolutely. So with our AOD team, um, generally we try and say uh, seven to seven. So there mm-hmm. is m- most certainly scope to see people before hours and after hours. Sadly, we don't have any uh, any weekend spots. Um, my last slide. I'm also a drug nail call counselor. My last appointment will be seven o'clock during um during weeknights. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do try and add, add that flexibility at this stage. We don't have any any weekends uh, at the moment. Um, but that might be something we, we discuss internally in the future.
0: Mm. Although in saying that, 7 to 7 is quite... That's. <laughs> I think that that is a lot better than 9 to 5, for instance.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're working 9 to 5 and then you look at your watch and go, well... Yeah. Counselling places closed. What do I do?
0: Yeah. And that would be hard for people as well. Like, how do you say that I need annual leave for my mental health? Like, that's something that sometimes we forget about is that mental health is very important. Absolutely. (laughs) But actually talking about it it can be hard for some people. It's usually not until you're seeing the light and on the other side that you actually feel comfortable about talking about it.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's so important to recognise just how challenging it is, um, especially in the um, drug and alcohol space. And people people might have misconceptions over what drug and alcohol counselling is mm. and that we might push the idea of abstinence or be a bit heavy-headed and say, no, you have to stop drinking or you have to stop using or you have to do the following things, when really it's all self-identified goals. Mm. And it's a great place, even if you don't want to make significant changes – you're more than welcome to have a couple of appointments just to talk about risk, how you can use safer. Now, if you're an injecting drug user, absolutely, we can provide strategies and tips and uh, ways to go about doing that safer without ever having to say, you know what, you have to reduce or you have to stop. So there is absolutely no judgement, shame, or any kind of ideological background that we work from that says, you know, you have to do what I want you to do.
0: Fantastic. So in regards to... so. Do you ever have to refer people on? So you're dealing with the issues surrounding their drug and alcohol abuse, but do you find that you have to refer people on for other issues, like in regards to, say, mental health, internalised homophobia, that sort of thing, or like...
1: Absolutely, and uh, Thorn Harbour does so much work in this space, so we do Mm. have our generalist counselling team who works specifically... um, uh, with uh, members of the queer community and do a lot of work around identity, internalised homophobia. They've got a group called Fearless, uh, which is a fantastic therapeutic group to address internalised homophobia and uh, work around sexuality and identity. So we do very similar work, but with a drug and lens and a drug and focus. They'll do it with a generalist lens, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um and, again, we have also got a family violence team on board as well, just uh, in recognising that family violence is a part of the LGBTIQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And they do provide specialist supports for members of our community, which is great. We do refer to um, external organisa- organisations uh, when need be. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, Thorn is really trying to work to, to do as much as we can to support the community.
0: Yeah, which is fantastic. I guess it's really good that you guys changed the name, though, because <laughs> you're a lot more than just...
1: Absolutely. Um, we're still remembering our roots as um, VAC and the Victorian AIDS Council and the amazing activism work that went on to support the community. And we're still doing that great work. But it's it's good to rebrand to just to try and make it a bit more inclusive and promote, um, promote what we're doing.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So I guess we've been talking for a little while. So it might be time to break for a song now. So this one's Chandelier. By Sia. So, Sia's sexuality is actually fluid. Um, so, this song is about the emptiness and pain that accompanies alcoholism and substance abuse. So, it's both relevant because our topic is substance abuse, but it's also relevant because of se- Sia's sexuality. So, Hope you guys enjoy. You're listening to From Paddock's Surprise with myself, Sarah, and guest presenter this week, Nick from Thorn Harbour Health, for the topic of drug abuse. Sorry, substance abuse in particular. So, drugs and alcohol. So, thank you for coming on.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so, we talked a little bit about how. So, not quite related to the topic, but related to where you um, work. So, you guys were the Victorian AIDS Council now you Thorn Harbour Health so where did the Thorn Harbour Health name originate from
1: so it's a combination uh, that celebrates and recognises two fantastic activists uh, Alison Thorne mm-hmm. who was a lesbian activist and queer liberationist in uh, the 1980s in Melbourne mm-hmm. and Keith Harbour who was the fourth president of uh, the Victorian AIDS Council who was a very inspiring leader and really worked to mobilise the community um, ranging from working on from grassroots pol- grassroots activism right through to um to high- level policy so we, again in celebration and recognition of those two wonderful people uh, we've rebranded from uh, vac to Thorn Harbor health
0: yeah fantastic so we've talked a little bit about so substance abuse we've talked a bit about why it's time we've talked about a little bit about internalized homophobia so obviously that is a barrier but we see that the I kind of think as um, someone who is like identifies as um, lesbian like that the trans have Um, Trans community obviously have extra barriers to go through. Do you have specific programs for trans people?
1: Absolutely. So currently, uh, as part of our AOD program, we're working to uh, launch a therapeutic group specifically for people who are trans or gender fluid Mm -hmm. to try and address some of those unique issues um, that might come up for the trans community. Um, It might be a bit different to somebody going, you know what, female or identify as female, sit with the lesbians or gay or identify as being a male, you can sit with the gay men or the Mm -hmm. bisexual men, but to go, you know what, we do need something that addresses the, as you said, possible unique barriers to service Mm. access and uh, perhaps unique traumas that uh, somebody might experience if they're uh, uh, trans or gender fluid.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. And obviously by having them sit with other trans people I guess like not in terms of segregation that's not what it's about it's about I guess that you find other people that have been through similar experiences as well do you find that people are able to support each other much better once they find people that are like themselves like
1: and also speak more openly yeah. and discuss strategies. So, again, try to move away from the old uh, drug and alcohol model. I'm going to talk because I'm the expert and you people listen <laughs> more towards it's, it's your experience, it's your story. What have you learned coming through it and coming through addiction and mobilising yourself through addiction that you might be able to share with other group members? Uh, who are at different stages of recovery or addiction so it's fantastic it's very very honest and again it's about trying to create that inclusion and community that Mm -hmm. people might be missing and we know uh, connection and community is so valuable in terms of combating problematic substance use
0: yeah definitely so we've talked a lot about how it's your own journey and everything and it's your own goals So it sounds as if most people go in themselves or is it, do you have a lot of people trying, like family or friends that try and refer people to come in for your services?
1: Absolutely. Look, it's a mixture of both. The Mm -hmm. majority of people we get will uh, Mm self-refer, which is great, or they might be talking to their doctor who works with the community, and their doctor might be going, oh, here's a fantastic group, or have you heard of these yeah. guys? They're very inclusive. Uh, so we do get a lot of uh, lot of self-referrals. Uh, mm-hmm. We do get some family members calling up going, oh, my partner or my son or my family member, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're using this, this and the other thing, and I'm really worried about them. And mm-hmm. there are most certainly support groups like Family Drug Support, which are great for supporting family members. Mm-hmm. Our response has always got to be fantastic. Feel free to tell your loved one or your relative mm. uh, about our services, and we would certainly welcome their call. Mm-hmm. But we certainly won't force drug and alcohol treatment or drug mm. and alcohol service on anyone unless they're um, unless they're willing and they're amenable and they're interested in yeah. attending. Yeah, and I suppose um, in recognising that again, as you as you said, like trying to do what we can to. To make ourselves appealing, so to say to people, mm. hey, it's your goal, it's not our goal.
0: Ah, yeah, because I'm guessing um, the initial step, sometimes people are a bit hesitant, perhaps.
1: Absolutely hesitant, fearful. I mean, if you think about giving up, uh, giving up drugs or alcohol, it can be pretty scary. Especially mm-hmm. if you've been using for a long time, or if, say, drugs are connected with meeting people on apps and um, mm-hmm. connected to your sexuality or connected to your connection with uh, with the queer community. Perhaps mm-hmm. you go out to the bar with your friends and you think, well, without that, how would I be able to to express myself or mm-hmm. be a member of that community? So it can be quite fearful just the thought of stopping.
0: Yeah. Is it also one of the issues people face is that they see the, the drugs or they see alcohol as sort of like a crutch, like an emotional
1: crutch? Oh, yeah. most um, certainly. And I've been working in the drug and alcohol sector for a long time and I've met some people who I thought, hey, you know what, You've found drugs or you found alcohol and without it, life could have been too hard psychologically. Yeah. You know what? This has been a coping mechanism. This has been a way for you to regulate your emotions, keep your mental health in check because what's going on could be so complex and so difficult that you might need the num- numbing aspects of drugs or alcohol as a coping mechanism. Not the healthiest coping mechanism, but mm. for some people it's it's all they've got at the time.
0: And I guess that's what gets them through as opposed to the alternative.
1: Absolutely. And, again, we know the alternative and we know the mental health concerns with with our community members. So, again, you can see why drugs or alcohol might be really appealing to somebody who's struggling psychologically who just wants to be out of their own head for a short minute and that can really lead to problematic substance use.
0: Mm. So, in regards to... So, we sort of said before that you find that sometimes people are able to support one another. Do you guys do, like, a buddy system or anything with your programs at all?
1: Absolutely. Um, In terms of a lot of our therapeutic groups are run by, not all of them, some of them are run by community members who have mm-hmm. come through being participants in the group ah, and yep. now peer facilitators. So they've come right through to now working as volunteers Um. For Thorn Harbour, and then hopefully if there's scope um, uh, as a paid staff member. It's um, certainly something uh, that happens and that we look at. Mm. But people who have been through the groups have the understanding, have been on both sides, and can wear many hats. I think it's so important. Yeah. Also, with some of our groups, um, a lot of participants start the um, the chat apps uh, yeah. where they, they uh, where they uh, send messages uh, to group messages. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's certainly up to the participants if they'd like to be a part of it or not.
0: Ah, I think that's fantastic. I guess, from my point of view, you're not only giving back to actually like, well, this helped me, so I'm going to give back to it. But it also um, highlights, well, I went through it. I survived. Look at how far I've come. You can do it too. Like, uh, we'll support one another. I think that's fantastic.
1: And it's just lovely to validate and recognize the importance of the lived experience and uh, somebody who's had a lived experience has had the group facilitation training and can come back and um, and speak so honestly because they might have been in a same in the same place or in a very similar place but somebody mm. who will very much understand some of the barriers that people face in giving up substance use or addressing problematic substance use in the queer community.
0: Yeah, that anecdotal stuff is very important, I find, because I find it really hard when people um, that don't understand certain topics try and talk about it, like they try and preach, oh, well, you can get through it or that sort of thing, not quite understanding how hard it is. So, like, how hard it is to have um, an alcohol addiction or how hard it is to have mental health issues. So...
1: Absolutely. And again, it's, it just makes it so more relevant uh, to some people attending the group going, oh, hold on, this person understands or this person's been through it, rather than who's this guy, you know,
0: just preaching at me, (laughs) just just preaching at me. uh, (laughs) That's definitely great. So what other we've obviously talked a lot about alcohol, drugs, but obviously Thorn Harbour Health does so much more than that can you tell us like any exciting programs that are coming up
1: we've got a few things um so again our health promotion team uh work very hard um and we've got a few different clinics uh, especially working in in the medical space uh Mm -hmm. supporting people with a hiv diagnosis Mm -hmm. um Again, our AOD team are, are launching a couple of new groups, which should be should be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, as a new organisation, well, not a new organisation, It's we've been around for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, in, in launching new programs, we're really just trying to solidify, I think, on the AOD team what we're doing.
0: Because mm-hmm. you guys have a lot to do with, so obviously AIDS, but... Not just sexual health in regards to um, AIDS, but you guys have a lot of programs to do with sexual health awareness, so for women and everything as well, don't you?
1: Absolutely, for uh, men, women and for members of the queer community and if you see the drama down under, uh, I'm not sure how, uh, how active uh, that campaign is down down these parts but a, a huge campaign in terms of promoting sexual health and um, trying to uh, trying to educate people about uh, the spread of um, STIs and BBVs so mm-hmm. sexually transmitted infections and bloodborne viruses mm-hmm. and so it's not a don't have sex it's a hey, do it safely. Yeah, reduce as much harm as you you can.
0: Yeah, I found it really good. Um, when I went to the Geelong Rainbow Festival, because Thorn Harbour Health actually had a stall there, and they actually had like little kits, and I found it really awesome because whenever you see like um a sexual health nurse or nurse, or you go to um any sort of health place that has free stuff it's always condoms mm-hmm. it is always condoms but you guys had the little packages with the <laughs> dental dams and there was a glove and lube and everything and it was very inclusive and it it had a list and it talked about um what each thing was for i guess but like i thought that was great
1: which is so important because you can get condoms from so many places mm. from so many um uh, Various health centres, or uh, physical health centres, or even needle exchanges. Mm. But to recognise that, hey, women will have uh, sex with women <laughs> and do it safely, <laughs> and absolutely, here you yeah. go is so important to um to recognise that and start talking about it.
0: Yeah, definitely, because like dental dams, the only place that I can find them is online. I've <laughs> I've never seen them in a chemist before. <laughs>
1: There you go. So uh, we must find where Thorn is getting their stocks from, if they're getting them locally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if there's a walrus out there or a coles. <laughs> are,
0: <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to mention in spe- specific to your role?
1: Um, not not certainly specific to my role, but uh, in, if we've got a minute, I'd love to discuss uh, the use of amyl. Yeah. Um, specifically uh, amyl nitrate or you might know them as poppers or things people, uh, specifically gay men, uh, might use, although mm-hmm. I suppose they're, they're quite big in the community, and just an acknowledgement that they are being rescheduled. Mm-hmm. So usually you'd you'd buy your, your poppers or you'd buy your ammo from perhaps a, a sex shop or a venue or maybe it's called a leather cleaner, and it's just an inhalant that brings a bit of euphoria, and it's a muscle relaxant as well. Mm-hmm. So it can be really great in reducing harms. I don't mm. know if it's relaxing the body. Uh, it's been rescheduled to effectively uh, what's now Schedule 3 or pharmacy-only pharmacy only medication. Mm. So that's going to make it illegal to purchase as a leather cleaner in, in a various mm. shop or venue. So it'll be a pharmacy-only medication coming from February 2020. Mm. So there might be, certainly be barriers to access for a lot of people, but I think we also have to recognise that we don't specifically know if any drug company is manufacturing one at this point
0: mm.
1: and if it's going to be ready for... February 2020. Yeah. So there might be a huge gap in terms of when it stopped being sold because it's becoming illegal, it's pharmacy-only medication, and when mm. pharmacies start selling it.
0: Yeah. So do you know the... Because whenever I've heard about Amel, um, well, I've actually seen it being used quite a lot in like gay clubs. Um, we hear about it as if... It's normal and it's okay to use. Are there harmful side effects of it? Because obviously, being called a leather cleaner, it can't be good for you, can it?
1: No, it's not the first thing I think of when I when I'm cleaning my couch and go leather cleaner. Oh, I'm going to smell this.
0: Yeah, be great.
1: So, of course, like any other drug, um, or like almost every other drug, it does. Um, it is. It can be harmful depending on how you use it, how much you use it. I think one of the problems with any kind of thing that's sold, um. Sold off brand or sold illicitly, we don't mm. 100% know what we're buying. So mm-hmm. you might have a fair idea if you've been using the same one for the same amount of years. But mm. unless we're 100% sure of the recipe or what's in it, it could have different effects. So I suppose that's one of the benefits of it becoming a pharmacy-only medication. Uh, in general, it can put strain on the heart. Mm. Um okay. And again, so, uh, and it can kind of mess with your blood pressure, especially if you use it in conjunction with uh, Viagra or any uh, medications of that ah, nature, it can, be, can yep. be a little concerning. So something to watch out for.
0: You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride with myself, Sarah, and guest presenter this week, Nick from the Health for the discussion of substance abuse. So in relation to drugs and alcohol. And we're at that time over the show where it's actually question time. Woo!
1: It's exciting. exciting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we've had someone message the page, which is fantastic. So don't forget message the page. Send us. Um, put in the comments. You can even call three two. Sorry, five two three two one nine nine one, and during our show to. Give us any questions. Even better if you can get it once that um, sting comes on with the um, reminder to call in. So that way we can get you set up in the ad break. That's fantastic. So they've actually asked, so Nick, with the rise of healthier lifestyles, so within the community, so for instance, I know I'm seeing a lot of. Um, lesbians that are vegan, Um, are you finding there's less substance abuse in the younger LGBTIQ plus community?
1: I think that's a really interesting question. I think um, it's something that ongoing research is, is going to demonstrate. We're certainly seeing a change in drug trends mm. and I think we'll continue to see a change in drug trends. I think um, it's so interesting you mentioned the rise of the health age and also mm. I think the rise of uh, the socially conscious age mm. and I think, well, one of my most favourite uh, favourite things is uh, there's been so much research into the harms of cocaine, mm-hmm. specifically in terms of deforestation, horrible effects on the climates, ah. really, really bad things that people do in terms of child labour um, in manufacture and production. And we've seen a, a decline, I think, in cocaine to the point where you can buy a synthetic cocaine that's being promoted very illegal as ethically made, uh, which I think is a great, a very interesting reflection on where our society is at
0: yeah, so my face at the moment is quite hilarious because I was actually quite shocked when Nick was saying that. So in terms of when I think cocaine, I think, well, bad for your health, but I didn't think of all these other effects, like, wow. Well.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, I suppose in an ethical age, it's um, when we've got access to the information, mm. it's, it's time to think, you know, is this ethical, is it not? Or, and I'm not saying that uh, a lot of drugs are not specifically ethical. <laughs> I don't think drug use is an ethical issue or a yeah. moral issue. It's a health issue. Mm. But again, where am I giving my money? Who am I supporting? And is one drug going to be more ethical than another? And we know that uh, cocaine is, is, from what we understand, a very, very unethical drug.
0: Mm, interesting. That puts a whole new perspective on things. So definitely don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted another reason not to that's it (laughs) so in regards to so we talked about how this is a question from myself so we've talked a little bit about how it's self-referral or someone else will refer you so how do you actually know that you have an issue with drugs or alcohol what's some things to make you step back and realize that yes i have an issue
1: Absolutely. Look, there's a fantastic drug and alcohol model that um, we see people people go through in Mm -hmm. terms of realising that they might need support. And usually people might start as what we call pre-contemplative. So they might be using or drinking, having a good time, not really going, they have a problem. Maybe there's someone else in the group who drinks more or uses more and they're like, oh, that's the person with the problem. I don't have the problem. Mm -hmm. Then somebody might get a bit contemplative. So that's the second step where they Mm -hmm. might start to think, hold on, what's going on? Am I using too much? How is it impacting me? And from there to the action phase to seeking help. We usually find when we know people use drugs and alcohol because they're getting something from it. Mm. That might be a psychological crutch. That might be because, hey, drugs and alcohol can be a really good, fun time and really increase your enjoyment or your relaxation or help you have a great time. It's usually when the problems start to outweigh the benefits. Mm, okay. So you might get a benefit from drinking if you're relaxed, but suddenly you might be missing work or you might be coming to work hungover or you might be throwing up, you might get health issues and you're going, wow, suddenly all these problems, they're outweighing the benefits. And that's mm. usually when we see people going, in fact, I'm starting to think about this. I might might see if I can get some assistance. Yeah,
0: definitely. So we keep talking about alcohol and we keep talking about illicit drugs, What about pharmaceutical
1: drugs? I think that's really interesting and very important that we mention pharmaceutical drugs. A really good Mm -hmm. question because we know that um, pharmaceutical drugs cause way more harm than illicit drugs in terms specifically uh, in overdose. Mm -hmm. And I think in this country, country, we really need to reframe how we think of Somebody at risk of overdose, and it might not be the person you know sitting on the street begging for a dollar who's using heroin. Mm. Um, not to try and typecast somebody who's using using heroin in that way at all. I apologise, but again, to look to look at who's going to overdose, and we know that um, benzodiazepams or things such as you might know them as Valium kill more people mm. via overdose than. Illicit, any illicit drug. Hmm. So in terms of uh, somebody misusing Valium, I'm way more concerned for their health and their overdose risk than someone using heroin because mm-hmm. hey the statistics tell me that that Valium's gonna kill a lot more people than hmm. than an illicit drug.
0: So I think can you tell us a little bit about safe script?
1: Absolutely. So, Safe Scripts is coming in, and that's uh, coming into I think uh, all across Victoria by March twenty twenty or mm-hmm. April twenty twenty, and it's going to be enforced everywhere. There's good information on the Vic Health website, and the idea is it's real time prescription monitoring for GPs and for pharmacists. Mm-hmm. So, gone are the days where you'll be able to go to your doctor, get a script of uh, something, go to your, a different doctor, get a script of something, go to two different pharmacies, and mm. uh, you know. And if you are addicted to perhaps a uh, opiate based painkiller, like an oxycodone or a tramadol or a tajin. Hey, that's what you might be doing to, to keep that addiction going, right? Because without it, you could feel pretty sick. Mm things with benzodiazepines as well right say your doctor says well you can only have one valium a day but you want more so you're getting another script Mm. or you're you're really forcing your doctor in and suddenly you're not going to be able to do it anymore because there will be that real-time prescription monitoring yeah which i think is quite terrifying in terms of a lot of people just won't be in the position to stop or won't Mm. feel like they're able to stop so where will they go to get to get that medication
0: and i guess there's also issues with if you're taking different types of medication and not disclosing that, because obviously there's side effects. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, so if you're seeing getting different scripts or seeing different doctors and seeing something that could set off alarm bells in terms of something that increases your overdose risk or something a doctor mm. wouldn't prescribe both at once and you're going mm. different places... That's going to be addressed. and um sadly you'll be you might be forced to address that because you won't be able to get those scripts depending on what happens with safe scripts when it is rolled out. So I would encourage everybody to speak to their doctor and speak to their GP um, and get some honest information and see what you might be able to do to to prevent this or to work through it in in the best way possible, knowing there are a lot of free drug and alcohol services that can provide support.
0: So I think that that's a really fantastic segue for our song coming up. So we all know Macklemore's a really good ally and that fantastic song, Same Love. I love it. (laughs) Um, This song's actually called Drug Dealer, which is quite relevant to what we were talking about. So I hope you enjoy. So listen along. You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride with myself, Sarah, and guest presenter this week, Nick. So we're at the end of the show, which is sad, but it's really good to talk about it. Um, but got to talk about events before we leave you. So this week, so on. Friday the 2nd, there's actually a thing called Freedom 19 Inaugural Ball. So some of the proceeds of this are actually going to Geelong Rainbow Inc. So that's fantastic. But also the event itself is quite exciting. So it's an evening in celebration of uninhibited self-expression, sexual uh, sexuality and gender identity. There's also another event in Melbourne to do with um, queer health. I can't actually remember the details. Silly me. Anyway, I will <laughs> post them up on their Facebook page and share them so you guys can find out some more information and hopefully head along to one of those events because that would be really good to get behind. So it was really fantastic to have you on the show, Nick.
1: No, thank you. It's been great to be here. Um, I'd love to come back in summer. I can. Can you swim in the lake? In, in, in summer, does it? No. Okay. Like,
0: like, I guess you can, but I'm not sure what the water's like. I've never swum in it.
1: Okay, I might not.
0: <laughs> I've never been game to. But then again, I used to always um, swim in the Simpson Dam, and uh, yep, that. Gross! <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I I used to love it, but if you've been to the Simpson Dam, it's um, oh, I think it's okay these days. But sometimes I don't know how I didn't get poisoning from like blue green algae or anything. But <laughs> strong kid, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, anytime. So next week we're actually on the mental health. Um, talking about internalized queer phobia so both homophobia and transphobia and i'm really excited to have brooke come along onto the show so she does a lot of work with the aware project which we'll learn all about next week and as always before i go i'll leave you with kesha this is me